Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. Now, I done been on the other side of a retirement, and it's good when you get over there and you can do what the f- you want to. So, I tell y'all right now while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, go ahead and take care of yourself. Take care of y'all bodies. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mentals because we ain't lasting that long. You know, I had a couple players that I played with that, you know what I mean? They no longer here no more. They no longer. So, I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken. And when y'all, you know, ready to walk away, you walk away and you'll be able to do what you want to do. So, I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken. But I appreciate it. Thank y'all. I have a good day. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. This is a Check the Tape Tuesday. Hope everybody uh, had a decent uh, New year over the weekend, and uh, we're ready to march on into 2023. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, and ET here with you. And guys, obviously, trying to strike the proper tone this morning in light of uh, not only what happened last night on Monday Night Football, but there was going to be a somewhat sad day anyway uh, in Jaguar fandom. Our first day to reflect on the life of Uche Waniri, who passed away suddenly. Last Friday, uh, seven-year Jaguar, uh, very interactive with the fan base on social media. So a lot of people, he, he stayed in the forefront of their minds. They communicated with him, found Uche to be a, a very thoughtful guy. And, you know, you don't have to agree with him about everything, but he was a guy that was willing to engage with the fan base. Um, you know, it, it's obviously the DeMar Hamlin situation is a different thing. No you know, less impactful in its own way. But uh, Jeff Uche. Yeah, we'll start you know, with Uche. Uh, obviously, you know, passing away, uh, just. Too young. Way too young. Yeah, he's 38 years old. And when, uh, when when Uche was drafted, you know, he definitely was a guy that uh, I was looking forward to get to know, you know, to like I do with all the draft picks and the players. And obviously I was done playing at the time. And, and so I'm in the broadcasting mode, so you always want to get to know the players. And, and then through the years, I got to know Uche. And, and, and I tweeted this last night. He's one of the greatest dudes to ever put on Teal. I mean, just a super guy. And so many players, you know, when you kind of go into the mindset of you want to meet some guys, you know, a lot of times, okay, you meet them and they're like, okay, he's a football player. Uche was so much more than that. He was uh, had deep thoughts. It was a very uh, – uh, a deep thinker, and it was a joy to talk to him just because I, he was a very, very smart guy that had a lot of thoughts on other things than just about ball, you know, and that made it uh, made it a fun conversation, and you know, 38 year, years old is way too young, and, you know, me and, and my wife Tara was sitting on the couch last night, and she asked me, she said, hey, did you see that this guy Uche passed away? I'm like, what? And I didn't know. Yeah. And... I was, and I'm saddened by that. And we're we got the Monday Night Football game on, yeah. and then what happens with with Hamlin? It was, I mean, just it just took 
took your breath away. It, uh, you didn't know what to do. I mean, I had tears in my eyes. And, you know, you go back to a lot of different moments, you know, and as a, as a watcher of television, like we all were kind of in that moment, you don't really know what's going on. You don't see the gravity of the situation, but you see the gravity of the situation in the eyes of the players. Because we didn't get to see that they're trying to perform CPR and save somebody's life on the field. Yeah. But you could see in the, in the players' eyes that this was serious, and it was really serious. And, oh, boy, I mean, just uh, you know, at that point, you know, you're just thinking and hopeful and prayers and all that are, are going out to hopefully that, that this guy is okay. And, and then you watch the, the replay after they took a couple breaks on the network that they actually showed the play, and you're just like, what? I mean, that happens all the time in football, mm-hmm. a collision like that. How can something like this be happening? But it did happen, and uh, I was glad to see the communication between the coaches. I was glad to see the, the, the outpouring of emotion and the sharing and the grieving and the, and the prayers that were bandied together by both teams and staffs. And, you know, you just hope going forward that, that this young man is okay and, uh, because it's tragic. And, you know, in the NFL – hasn't seen anything like this since 1971. And there's been tragic situations in the National Football League from Daryl Stingley to, to, to Everett to Dennis Bird. But the thought, I mean, I, you know, as a, as, a, as a player and a former player, you always thought and knew that something like this could happen. But you're, you're, you got a warrior mentality, and so you kind of ignore it. And you're bulletproof, you're tough, you, you can't be hurt, and you think, well, it's never going to happen to me. Sure. But then I think yesterday we saw that when that's happening in front of you, I mean, it's a, it's a stunning situation and it's an eye-opener. Well, and I think there's a big difference even with the, the men that you mentioned that have suffered really serious injuries on the field, right? And you could tell immediately when it happened, this is not something we've, that we've seen much, if at all. Right, if you're a player on that field, you're watching the medical attention and them having to be carted off, and uh, you know, like you don't know what's happening with those guys, but you probably haven't been on the field when you've seen someone. It's like they're having to bring him back. Yeah, right. Like he's gone, and they have to bring him back. And that it was when you saw that that's how far it had gone. You know, the thought is there's no way they can play. I mean, there's there's no way they can play. Like I'm not even sure, Jeff, and we discussed it briefly before we went on air if they'll be able to play, right? Well, like we, we this actually, specific game, I'm not sure that you can put those guys back out there this week to play that game. Well, and when when it was happening last night, we had a group text with some guys in the Jaguars broadcast department, and, and Baselli is part of that, and, and I texted to our group. I said, I can't imagine being a player on that field in Cincinnati. I no. mean, there's, there's no way that you could have regained a focus and a concentration – or a desire to play in a football game at that moment. I mean, it's just, you know, there's more important things than a football game when you're kind of in that type of moment. And, you know, I don't know exactly how it was handled by the league, but I'm just glad that the decision was made to, quote-unquote, postpone the game. And I think at some point, you know, the conversations I'm sure are already happening of what to do with that game because – you know, the NFL is is a ball that's rolling downhill and gaining momentum and speed. And, and, and do you slow everything down to be able to play this one game or you just say, look, this is a, 
a very strange set of circumstances, a tragic set of circumstances. Maybe the best decision is to not play the game and then to look at everything uh, in its entirety from a percentage standpoint instead of, okay, just the numbers of games played and tiebreakers and all that. Because I just can't imagine being a player that went through that last night of trying to regain some type of focus for a game this in the next day or two, yeah, right? It's going to be mean, hard enough just, to get ready Sunday. Yeah, yeah and then what are you, you know? going to do? Delay the entire playoff season by a week? I mean, it's just. Th- that has actually been brought up by uh, Vic Carucci, who at one point was the head of the um, National Football League Writers Association. You know, he's covered the Bills for a long time. He said that is. I, I don't think he is saying that this is the likely outcome. I think he's saying something that the league is considering because. If they replay the game this week, it has to be done by tomorrow. Right? I mean, there's and that right. because if you're if you play on Wednesday and then you play again on Sunday, it's no different than the, the amount of rest if you play it on a Sunday and then follow it up with a Thursday game. Um, not ideal, but it, we saw it happen because of COVID a couple of years ago. There was a Wednesday game got pushed back to Wednesday, right. but he has uh, at least put the idea out there that the league could add like a 19th week, move the playoffs back a week. And I, I could see, I could see that possibly happening, but I, I don't see, okay, let's play this game the next day or two. Yeah. I have no I just, idea. I'm just saying yeah. I was passing yeah. along. Cause I yeah. saw yeah, that. And, I think and Vic is a very well-respected oh, and guy he's been in, around the league forever and in NFL circles. He's got a lot of friends around, you know, so I mean, maybe that possibility exists. Um, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, I think, Right now, I just hope that this young man is okay, and and uh, you know, I think uh, it's a gladiator sport, and even though it's a gladiator sport, you accept a lot of risks that come with playing football, but at the same token, you never really kind of think that that is one of the risks of maybe dying on the field. But I mean, in the back of my mind, I think as a player and a guy that's covered this league for a long time, you always believe that it could and it probably would happen at some point, that we would see another instance of a player that could die on the field. And to go back to 1971, that was a a set of circumstances to where he had a condition with his heart and then the the athletic event and then a situation that happened on the field brought that kind of to what had happened. And, And in that game, what did they do? Pause it for five minutes and then kept it going. You know. Well, I mean, we've seen it before. Guys have literally been carted off with obvious head trauma, neck trauma, unable to move. You know what I mean? Uh, but this was – I don't think – there are a few things that all came together here. One, the CPR and defibrillator used on the field. You know, you can make the case that he's probably clinically dead at, at one moment in time, you know, and that they were able to bring him back. And fortunately they are, and we certainly hope the best for him. And now, Logs, with social media – you know, in 1971, if you're watching the game, you experienced it, and you know you didn't. You had the lens of only what they were telling you on that television in that moment. Here, you've got millions upon millions of people all weighing in, medical people, fans, what have you, and it's it, there's so much more of an immediacy to it. And right. in fact, you know, had a guy on. We did a show last night, and it was obviously not the kind of show we plan on doing but we had a guy on who was in Cincinnati and he said that that's what the the fans didn't know what was going on they were going to Twitter to find out what is happening right in front of them and 
that's the the quickest way they got information. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a different world we live in. So obviously, look, we're very happy for the Jaguars and where they are in this circumstance, but real life circumstances matter as well. And Uche Waniri is a member of the Jaguars family, mm-hmm. and you know certainly wish condolences for his family, those close to him, and thought it was appropriate to recognize his contributions to this organization, this fan base. Being a, a good all around guy, what they do on Saturday night for Uche, you know, during the game, I'm sure there'll be a moment or something at some point. Uh, I know I've already seen like the BCB with their tailgated slab. They're planning on having, you know, the the full moment of silence, the 71 or whatever his number was, 77, 77 mm-hmm. seconds of silence for Uche, right? Like they've already got that plan for their tailgate, and I'm sure. That will not be uncommon. I'm curious to see what the Jaguars want to do with it this week. Well, I'm too. sure they'll, I'm sure they'll do something, you know, because uh, Uche was uh, beloved in the stadium. I mean, he was just a kind of a charismatic, had a lot of personality, mm-hmm. fun guy to talk with, and, and a lot of the staff people recognize that. and And I'm sure that something will be done to to recognize his memory. And so, you know, we just want you to recognize that we do recognize uh, what Uche has meant to Jacksonville to the fan base at large, the organization, and certainly DeMar Hamlin's place as a member of the NFL community. These things uh, you know, take precedence in moments like this, but guess what? The Jags are still going to play this weekend. It, it doesn't make you a bad person if you're excited for that game on Saturday night, even in light of recent events, but uh, didn't feel like that was the appropriate way to start the program today. It is a check the tape Tuesday, so we will look back at the Jags' performance against Houston. We will look ahead to what is a de facto playoff game versus the Tennessee Titans on Saturday night. But, you know, obviously we're trying to do it in the most respectful way as possible. Some people probably wonder how you could talk about anything like that. Well, that's the job. That's well, what we're going to do. You know, and, and we saw kind of that job on display last night. You know, I didn't want to turn the channel because I wanted to get the update. I wanted to find out how that DeMar Hamlin was doing. And I thought ESPN did a, a fantastic job. And, and that's not an easy situation to be in. And I thought Susie and Booger, they did a, a fantastic job in the studio. I thought Joe Buck was exceptional on how he kind of summarized. And, and when they went back to the stadium shot and uh, really appreciated ESPN showing some of the shots from inside where the coaches were talking on the phone. And just to give you an idea of the feel, I mean, just because – you know, I mean, it's a, the NFL is a community, and uh, the the players and the former players, I think, is a brotherhood that's always going to be there and will always be there forever. And so, I was wanting to get as much information as I could last night, and was, you know, very hopeful uh, that uh, that he would be okay. And then I was hopeful that we would get an update last night that, hey, look, he's he's okay. He's you know he's being monitored, but obviously he's still in critical condition, and that's uh, and con- it's a concerning type thing. But anyway, just just. Kudos to ESPN for handling a very difficult situation. I thought that they handled it in uh, as a professional of a way as it could have been done. Yeah, all right. So we'll endeavor to do that ourselves today. If you'd like to call in today on any number of subjects, if you have a positive memory of Uche Waniri that you'd like to share with us, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that. What he meant to you as a, a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you want to talk about the overall larger picture uh, with the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation last night. We're all hoping that he pulls through as best as possible. If you want to talk about the Jaguars' performance on the field the last few weeks or what you're anticipating for this weekend, it's all on the table there today, 
and we'll kind of hit the reset button here coming up in a minute, knowing all these things are going on in the back of our minds. 641-1010 is the easiest way to do this on the phone lines today or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Or hit us up today with your questions for Jeff Lagerman, which is what we do on a Check the Tape Tuesday, the Chad and Sandy Real Estate Question of the Day. Simply ask you, what are your questions for Jeff Jaguar-related or larger NFL picture-related? You can hit us up at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs56, or at my man IME to the T. Come on, somebody. All right, ET. Here we go. Jaguars today. It is a big week. For this organization, there's no question about it, but there's a lot going on in the National Football League right now. Keep it right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is serviced by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. It is a check-the-tape Tuesday for the Jags. I feel like this is more an anticipatory Tuesday than anything. You know, we can look back, Logs, and... Travis Etienne's big success and how certain guys played, but I think everyone's looking ahead to Saturday. Um, no final word yet on Aussie Jag, our man Craig I have Fordham. not seen anything for sure yet, no. He, he, was he that the uh, $5,000 flight? Uh, yeah, it was like yeah. 4100 4, Somebody said they found one, and they showed him it was like half that, you know, or something in the 2000s, but... Um, He's not flying Southwest, is he? Hey, well, hey, yeah, better, <laughs> better, better leave today. If you are, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he's making it. Check by the dumpsters for your bags when you get to Jack's. Well, um, I I told you a couple weeks ago when the Titans lost to Houston, which clinched on that Saturday, that this game would have meaning for the Jags. I bought a pair of tickets on StubHub, and uh, I'm going to give them away probably tomorrow. I I don't know how, but I'm going to try my best to make sure – no, you're good. You're 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 covered. You're there. Um, by the way, still tickets available. A few out mm-hmm. there. Like if I I went to StubHub yesterday because somebody said online that they're having trouble finding tickets. Well, there are tickets out there. You may be having trouble finding free tickets, but uh, I've only got a pair of those. So um, trying to still decide. We want to make sure it goes to a Jaguar fan, right? A, a regular listener of the show, hopefully, but. Somebody who might otherwise not be able to go to the game. It's hard to determine what that is. What I don't want to do is give them to somebody have them turn around and sell them for a few hundred bucks profit. Yeah, we don't know? want Jeff Fisher getting the tickets. No, we we want this is the, uh, the the purpose of these is to go to somebody who is going to appreciate the experience of going there and screaming their head off uh, for the Jags and they're all teal unis. They're going the teal jerseys. Teal pants. I like it this week. Me too. A teal's the color, man. Let's go. You know, this, this is uh, this is an organization and a, and, a, and a team that's based on that color, and that's what it should embrace be. it, right? I mean, I'm, absolutely. I'm good with either teal, teal and teal, or teal and white pants. Yeah, either I like one. that too. Um, I'm I'm not like to me. I know players. I guess sometimes like the all black stuff. I, I feel it. Yes, this yeah. is your identity. I think those teal be on unique. teals look smooth, man. Worked out fine against Dallas with the All Blacks, but yeah. the, the yeah, no, all I'm teal, not saying you yeah. can't play well. You know, yeah. just I, I'm aesthetically, I <laughs> I prefer uh, some teal in there. So uh, obviously, we got that coming up this weekend. I got all kinds of goodies I want to give away uh, over the next. I don't know what I don't want to block in the time period, but I got to obviously get those tickets out for somebody so they can make plans. Uh, you're on your own for parking and concessions and all that good stuff, but um, I'll be happy to to get those in some Jaguar fans' hand um, 
And uh, probably the way I'll do it is you'll have to be listening to the program to find out how I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to make this like a Twitter exclusive or anything like that. Ah, All right, speaking of Twitter exclusives, got some questions coming in for you, Logs. Here on a Check the Tape Tuesday. We'll start with this one from Matt. Uh, He says, it seems like Josh Allen is seeing more success as of late. What do you attribute that to? Do you see it continuing? Would love to see a dominant performance against the Titans. Well, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, overall in that game against Houston, and I think that he's been good of late. I thought he played well against Tennessee prior to. Now, look, he had a little bit of a stretch there when you go back prior to that Tennessee game. It was about a four- or five-game window here where he was pretty quiet. And I'm not here to make excuses, but, I mean, players deal with different things throughout a season, and nobody's completely healthy. Maybe he was dealing with some stuff. But I thought this game, he came, bounced back, and he played really well. In fact, I uh, was going to do something and have done something for Jaguar social media because there were three plays that really stood out in my mind, which obviously the sack cost fumble, which led to the Tyson-Campbell scoop and score. But then Kalevon Chazon, who, by the way, who had a hell of a game himself, mm-hmm. he, Josh, was the one who got the pressure that, that led to Kalevon's sack. And then – The Jaguars' defense did a great job of stopping the Texans on downs. I think it was four different times in the game. They did. One of those fourth downs was Josh covering Burkhead out of the backfield into the end zone and making sure that that was an incomplete ball. We, uh, you know, as we sit there with our rolling commentary, you get your on-air commentary, we got our off-air commentary as all these (laughs) things are playing out. And, uh, you know, just made me – Think and we were talking, discussing it. Uh, myself, Tony, JP, Shadrick, uh, Donna Murphy, uh, uh, as we're all watching the game. You know, how many times have you heard, "Oh, this defense got Josh Allen covering somebody down the field"? Absolutely ridiculous. This, they ought to fire Mike <laughs> Caldwell. How can he possibly have that? Well, oh, that worked out. Yeah, it uh, worked out good. You know, sometimes you don't want to do that all the you time. You don't know, but sometimes no. that's the situation you're, you're going to find yourself in. Outside linebacker in the NFL, you're going to be asked to cover somebody every yeah, now that's, and then. That's the one thing I think that's difficult nowadays is this three-four because you know when the teams used to run three-four, the linebackers could run a little bit better in some cases. But now some of these outside three-four guys are big dudes, and they try not to get them in that situation. But ultimately, sometimes you got to do it. Oh, the funny thing is, too, people say, well, you know, you're asking him to do something he's never done before. Really? Because he did that a lot at Kentucky, right? Well, I mean, and he's done it a lot this year, in fact. Correct. Uh, he got a touchdown scored on him at home. I can't remember the team that it was. We're in that very same instance to where he had to cover a little out and up by a back out of the backfield. Washington. What was that? What? Yeah, Washington. Okay. Uh, trust us. We don't want Josh Allen out there, you know, covering Mike Williams if it comes to it in the postseason. <laughs> I, I I get it, but you know, sometimes you need your guy to make a play. He made a play, good coverage, and kind of forced a, a bad throw to the outside, and he, um, he played worked really, out really well. I mean, really well. I was a little surprised to see him playing at the end of that game. Yeah. You know, and, and look, I get it. You know, sacks are money, okay? And you like to Could have had three this week, passer. man. He yeah. was right on it. I, I thought, right, Caleb Vaughn ought to give him half of that one, yeah. man. Oh, uh, absolutely. By, by, the way, by the way, I just mentioned briefly about Caleb Vaughn, and I'm, I'm serious. Uh, Caleb Vaughn played a really good game. Good. And, going to need it. And in, in a game in which you're, you know, first game without Dewan Smoot, you're going to need a guy to step up. And I thought Caleb Vaughn was physical, and, and he played a strong game. How'd Trayvon Walker do? Yeah. You know, you could tell that he's not quite 100%. But, um, you know, it wasn't like you sat there and you looked at him and you go, man, that guy's just not ready to play. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. I mean, it's 
you could just tell that he wasn't quite 100%, but it was good to allow him to get back because, okay, it's one game under his belt post-ankle injury, or should I say coming back from the ankle injury. So now you would hope that, okay, next week you take another step forward and get a little bit better. And then, you know, then you get in the playoffs hopefully, okay, and then he gets a little bit better then, and that's where you want to be is getting him back into that form that we saw the last time that the Jaguars faced Tennessee, where I thought he was he was a beast in that game at times. All right, got another one from here for you, Logs. Got a bunch of them, uh, but this one from Chris. The Titans are the best in the league at stopping the run. Eh, technically a smidge behind San Fran, but granted, we're right up there at the top, averaging uh, 3.4 yards a carry allowed, uh, top two in terms of fewest yards allowed. In the first meeting, Travis Etienne averaged 1.9 yards per carry and did not catch a pass. How can the Jags... Scheme up ETN to become as productive as possible against such an aggressive defensive front. Well, I don't think you go into the game expecting ETN to be, you know, a 150-yard rusher because that's the strength of Tennessee, okay? And they've got a really good front with uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Demarcus Walker, and Tier Tart. Tier Tart and Jeffrey Simmons are two really good inside players. I mean, really good. Arguably two of the best in the league. And so that's going to be a challenge, and you know that. And that's why in the last meeting the Jaguars kind of realized that, and that's one of the reasons why their focus was a little bit more on the passing game. And the reality is is that Tennessee is worst in the league in the National Football League against the pass as far as yards allowed. So, look, you know, you, you'd like to be able to take advantage of weaknesses, and then you'd also like to be able to neutralize some of the strengths that an opponent has. So in a perfect world, yes, you'd like to have ETN – accomplish some things on the ground to soften them up with the pass game. And if you can do that, you'll have great success against them. But uh, make no mistake about it, this Tennessee Titans defense is going to have to be that, and Derrick Henry are going to have to be the two components that leads them to a victory if they're going to get one. Well, speaking of which, obviously playing without Ryan Tannehill, uh, Holger or Holger uh, on Twitter asking, are the Titans more banged up or healthier this week compared to to the first matchup. More banged up, yeah. which is incredibly crazy to even think that. Um, you go back to the last matchup, at least they had some of the components of their offensive line, Ben Jones, and you had Nate Davis, uh, center, right guard, and those guys are both now on IR. So they're going to be unavailable for this game. Uh, they were already without Taylor Lewan. They had the two worst pass-protecting tackles in the game starting that game. Those guys are still going to be playing. Um, uh, the one area that they have gotten a little bit healthier, like the last matchup, they got Racy McMath back at wide receiver. That's going to help them. And Traylon Burks. And Traylon Burks. Uh, the other thing, uh, they also, in the last matchup, they did not have Danico Autry. He will be available mm -hmm. in this game. So uh, there are some, some subtractions and there are some additions, but there's been more subtractions, especially with that Titans offensive line, which – I mean, if you think about it, the Tennessee Titans offensive line, they have literally starting players from, I'm sure, the expected guys on opening day, maybe one. Yeah. One guy. Right. Got to take advantage of it, though. I mean, that's where you'd like to you say, can't, you okay. can't have You can't have Derrick Henry going for near 100 yards in the first quarter again. Yeah. Because, Logs, I, I'm sure you agree with this, that the longer Tennessee keeps this a football game, the – more they're going to grow in confidence. I'm not saying the Jags are going to lose confidence, but you no, know what but I mean? you pucker up. I mean, Mike, you go back to 1996 and that last game of the season that we had against the Atlanta Falcons, you know, I mean, look, every game was like, 
you know, party for us until we got to that last game because all of a sudden, okay, you got to win to get in. Well, okay, whoa. Okay, now all of a sudden we feel a little bit of pressure. And then in that game, okay, we felt like we had a little bit of control and all of a sudden the Falcons scored to bring themselves within a couple points and then they're lining up the field goal at the end of that mm-hmm. ball game, as you know very well. Okay, well, when they scored there at the end, now all of a sudden you get puckered up. You know, you don't feel like you're playing as loose and playing as free, and you have a tendency to be tense. So you're you're dead on the money when you say that, hey, look, if you play them and all of a sudden it's a tight game, the longer it goes, the better the chance the opponent has of winning because of that factor. Right, and turnovers can play a big role in that. You saw it against Dallas, right? They're only down 10-6 to 6 at the half on Thursday night against Dallas, and this is without Jeffrey Simmons, without Derrick Henry, guys who will likely be uh, very available to them this week, and then as the game played out, they couldn't sustain it. Uh, let's get Beth and Arlington up here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Beth. How are you? Oh, good morning, Mike and Jeff. And Tony. I'm calling from and Tony. All right. Any? Any? All right. Go ahead, Beth. <laughs> we got you. All right. I'm a season t- ticket holder for almost what 18 years. And I just wanted a shout out our center, our rookie center. He's hardly ever talked about. I think he's been phenomenal with, uh, you know, with this year. And uh, Beth, I, I agree. He's been he's been good. I wouldn't use the word phenomenal. Uh, I think solid. And you look forward to a guy like that having a, a full off season of making some physical gains. And what I mean by physical gains, he's got to get bigger, stronger, and I'm not worried about his awareness. He's a smart player, but he's got to get bigger, stronger, and the experience that he's getting this year is fantastic. But I'll give you a rating, okay? The reason I always would say he's not phenomenal, okay? If you look at PFF, and look, they're not always right, but they can be a gauge sometimes. And out of the centers in the league that have played 20% or more snaps, he's rated 38th. Okay, so that's – I wouldn't consider that phenomenal. I would say that, hey, look, there's a lot of room for growth, and he's been he's been okay, okay? Mm-hmm. He's been good, not great. Right. I, I haven't felt like he's been, a, like, a massive liability. No, right? You no, know what no, I mean? No. Like, so, from that standpoint, well, if the you're not talking line, about a guy, it's not a yeah, bad thing. The offensive line has felt like more of a strength than it was anticipated to be maybe going into the season. Like, they have run the ball effectively all year. Trevor's not getting hit you know, all season. It's not like there's been a bunch of games where you're like, well, are they going to protect him at all? And that's how last season felt the whole way through. Are they ever going to protect this guy? And so they've done a good job. You have a rookie center in the middle of that. So I can understand the feeling that he's doing a really solid job there would, in the would middle. Would we not all agree that the offensive line has been vastly better this year? No doubt. As a group, right? No doubt. We would all agree with that. So, And a big part of that is the center because the center is the captain of that group. He's the one that has to make all those calls. And so uh, that is a, a really a strength of Fortner. You know, you listen to the coaches and the players, and they say just as far as awareness and football IQ and intelligence, this guy is top-notch, and so that's good to have at center. All right, uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back with more of your questions for Jeff Logman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Halfway home, Jags with the, the biggest – Regular season home game in a long, long time. Coming biggest up. one, I think, in history. It, the biggest regular season game in history? You By think? far. More so than the uh, Atlanta game. Yeah, and I was part of that, so it takes a lot for me to admit that. Man, I don't know. That, uh, I mean, that, 
you lose that game against we'll the Falcons. Yeah, let's, that? let's let's we'll, we'll, do that. We'll that's that. interesting. All right, we'll we'll have that and more when we come back. Your questions for Jeff Logman coming up. This is Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Check the tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman. Brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube. Servicing every customer like they're famous on oh. 1010XL. Here we go. Check the tape Tuesday. I'm not feeling good unless somebody's hating me in a big way. And we start off the new year right. Appreciate all your vitriol, especially the guy on the text line who, looking back through his timeline, says, we got the best show on 1010XL. Love y'all. Listen to you 100% every day. Come on, somebody. do ball. Now we're the, I don't know, I can't even read every other word that uh, this guy said. I think he's mad because the station gave us January 2nd off uh, for the New Year's holiday, which is like a federal holiday. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so sorry we had the day off yesterday, I guess. We were discussing it Sunday. I think it's hilarious. We were down there doing the game, discussing it Sunday. He's like, I'd work tomorrow if they wanted me to work tomorrow. I got no problem working. Right. But, you know, but at the same time, you want to take the day off. I don't think the Jags are going to suffer on Saturday because we weren't here yesterday. We get like four days off a year on these national I went golfing yesterday. Yeah, how just, dare you? Just kidding. I don't golf. Well, whatever you did, um, but uh, the gentleman wanted us to go play golf. Uh, so well, I'm like, wait a minute, he, I don't play golf. Well, that that was that. I don't know if it's the same. The one I'm looking at here, um, we are the Fairweather Rockstar POS. Yeah, that's the same one. Ten ten. Yeah, keep going. You know what holes are back. Yeah, keep going. All y'all suck major blank at your job. <laughs> this is the same guy. Yeah. Love y'all show. Keep Listen going. every day. 100. Yeah, keep going. Oh, no, keep, I, keep I, I can. not golf. Yeah, well, this this one doesn't uh, talk about golf here. Oh. Um, this this one just probably same guy using a lot of the same vernacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guy. it's all good. You know what? Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. <laughs> you can't quit us. Obviously, you're listening, but so thank you. For listening. We appreciate you hate <laughs> listening. Line, Jaguars listening. today. That has to be my dad. Sorry. Hey, it's okay. Appreciate your dad that. listening too. You know what? <laughs> Go pick up a car at Butler Toyota, okay? <laughs> appreciate you. Our sponsors do as well. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines. Uh, Jeff on the south side wants to weigh in, I think, on uh, the situation last night with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, Jeff, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Okay. I'm a diehard Bills fan. I've been a Bills fan for the 90s, and just seeing someone like that just collapse, it just it breaks my heart. But I also, this is also a shout-out to the entire Bills mafia here in Jacksonville. Keep praying, you know. I think what the NFL did was right to postpone it because you just you can't continue. This could have been devastating, And but um, I'm just glad that um, he, hopefully he, continues to progress and it's just it's just great that everybody from Cincinnati and everybody showed solidarity for this gentleman who was a I guess well renowned player from Pittsburgh and um, I'm just praying for his recovery and uh, and to my entire Bills community keep praying for Dexter uh, it's Damar uh, Hamlin but the sentiment still the same appreciate that um, look, I think everyone is wishing the same, right? Hoping the best uh, mm-hmm. for him. And, uh, you know, that's the position we're in right now. Uh, you know, the NFL is, you know, especially the players, uh, they're a community. Those guys uh, in Buffalo live with that guy you know, basically half the year. You're probably 
around those guys more than you are your own family a lot of times, uh, depending on your circumstance. And I, I think the cool thing, you know, uh, you hate to see, you know, tragedy bring this out, but had a GoFundMe, I think, to raise money to buy gifts for underprivileged kids that the GoFundMe goal was $2,500. Yeah, I think it was toys or something. Yeah, toys, nature. right? Yeah. It's over, I think, $3.7 million. Yeah, which is crazy. Since last night yeah. that, you know, people are saying, hey, here's how, you know, we can hopefully give back and make a something positive out of I this. I think you had a goal of like 2500 and it's – Yeah. Yeah. It's right, way over $3.5 million yeah. at this point in time. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, logs back to – <laughs> the <laughs> the questions on the uh, the uh, the old social media. No, nah, I'm just reading your replies oh. and it's just it's, it's enjoying you know the <laughs> the vitriol out there. It's okay, I could take it. Uh, I, in fact, those are the ones Tony will tell you. Those are the ones I usually read more than any other on the program. All right, here we go. Um, let's see. Logs defense pass rush have been better the last few games. How much do you attribute that to moving? Uh, Darius outside and better downfield coverage. Darius Williams there uh, with the he seems you know by all accounts has played better. Yeah, he's gotten since better the move to the outside. Uh, yeah, definitely he's gotten better playing on the outside. And uh, Tyson Campbell has been phenomenal. I mean he's just uh, blossomed right before our very eyes to where he has become one of the top ten corners in the league and. And he looks looks like it. He's playing the ball better at the point, and that's something that he had struggled with in the past, and that's been been fun to watch. I think also they've been cleaner in the back end, which has been a big reason for the improved coverage. When I say cleaner, everybody's been on the same page. You're not seeing guys all of a sudden running wide open with nobody 10, 15 yards around them where we saw there for a stretch with this defense. So that's been a real positive, and – you know, rush and cover always go hand-in-hand. Hand. The pass rush has been better. I think Arden Key has been really good over the last four or five weeks. I think the team is getting better with Trayvon Walker, kicking him inside, hand down on the ground, hands on the ground for a lot of those guys that are rushing the passer. And then the linebackers, Foyer has been, the last two weeks, uh, out of his mind, playing well. I mean, just really good. And then Devin Lloyd's gotten better, and Muma's gotten a little bit more healthy and playing better. So all of that combined, I think, helps everybody when it comes to the entirety of the defense. Uh, Logs, a lot of questions um, in general about how do we slow down Derrick Henry. What do you say? Populate him. I mean, that's really what you got to do. I mean, he's a big back that once he starts to get ahead of steam, then he gets (laughs) really difficult to tackle. So your ultimate goal is to make sure that he doesn't get going. And that's a hard thing to accomplish because he's a he's a talented player, uh, but you've got to try to limit him. And so if he gains 115 yards, okay, he gains 115 yards, but you just got to limit them as a team. The reality is that they have a quarterback on game day this Saturday. If everything goes as planned, a quarterback for the Tennessee Titan, Joshua Dobbs, will have been with that team for 17 days, and you got to make sure that he is a zero factor in that entire game and then put all of your efforts on Derrick Henry and hopefully you can do a good job against him. But when I say populate him, that's what I mean. I mean, you got to gang tackle, populate him, yeah. get in his grill, 
you know, live up it's in his front a, yard, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, it's not a new plan for defending Derrick Henry. It's just a more difficult plan to actually do than it is to just say it. It's like, here's what we need to do against Derrick Henry. Everyone's had that plan on him for five years. There's never been a running back ever that I have seen a Jaguars coaching staff literally have a drill-specific uh the specific drill thing during the week to prepare for a player. What is the drill? Well, Derrick Henry's got the stiff arm. So they would literally last year and, and previous years, they would have Derrick Henry drills, tackling drills, so that they would have a plan of attack for everybody. And you have to be aware, obviously, of the stiff arm. So when you're coming in, you've got to have a plan for attacking the stiff arm that he's going to give you. So whether that's raising the arm, knocking the arm down with a chop. You've got to have a plan because if you just come in and you're reaching with two hands, he's going to put that stiff arm on your head and he's going to make you look stupid. Uh, just to get back to you know what you're talking about with Joshua Dobbs and you got to make Henry be the one who beats you. Without Derrick Henry, Joshua Dobbs was a lot more competent quarterback than they would have had had they not signed him. Malik Willis hasn't thrown for 100 yards in a start yet. Dobbs had over 200 against Dallas when he didn't have the threat of Derrick Henry. Hassan Haskins was running for like 40 yards in that right. game. So, I mean, look, he's a mobile guy, right? I, I wouldn't he's not doubt. a runner, though. No, he's not, but he's mobile, right? Yeah, he's he, mobile. he can, and I wouldn't, Logs, they're going to empty the the playbook, right? I mean, they're going to, I would imagine you're going to see a couple of packages or plays with Dobbs and Malik Willis on the field. Well, I think you're going to see not just offensive packages. I, I think you'll see what you're talking about as far as, you know, the packages. You have Malik Willis, Joshua Dobbs on the field, maybe a uh, a reverse pass or something. Right. But then also because the Titans have lost so many games, they're in a situation that they probably feel like, hey, look, we got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. You may end up seeing surprise on onside kick, a fake punt, you know, some kind of uh, Statue of Liberty Rambo pass. I mean, all kinds of things I think you have to be prepared for because as far as the Titans are concerned, look, they're the underdog. They've got nothing to lose. They're going to let it all hang out. No doubt about it. Um, you know what? The Jags hopefully will have a few things up their sleeve I as hope. well. I hear that coach once pulled something called a Philly special in a pretty big game. So I don't know if we got the Duval Delight coming or what, but uh, you know what? I'm like I'm open to it. I like that. Name. Let's see what happens. Uh, a trademark. All right, uh, we'll come back. More of your questions and calls for Jeff Logman. Welcome at 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. And, of course, I've got a stack of them here on social media. We'll continue to pass by Logs as we anticipate uh, as we'll get to it, Logs, why you feel this is the biggest regular season game in Jacksonville Jaguar history. You're listening to Jaguars today on a Check the Tape Tuesday on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, folks, Mike Dempsey for Butler Toyota of Jacksonville. Find it, drive it, buy it at Butler Toyota Jacksonville. I'm talking fresh new Toyota cars, trucks, and SUVs now available online and on the lot, and they want to pay you more for your trade as well. Their goal, always 100% credit approval with a great selection of new Toyotas on the ground ready for immediate delivery. There's no need to wait here in 2023. If you're looking to service your new Toyota, by the way, check out Butler's 42-minute express oil change guarantee in and out in 42 minutes. Visit them online at butlertoyotajacksonville.com or head over to 1290 Cassett Avenue today. A better experience, it's better at Butler. 
Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman. Brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube. Servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, we continue on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E.T. Uh, and uh, the guy who loves us so much on social media there on the text line, hey, buddy, your son just texted us to apologize. And he said, by the way, is it coming from this particular phone number? So we know it's your son. And uh, he had some unflattering things to say about you. So there you go. <laughs> just like just like you did about us. So um, you're really making your family proud out there. All right, Logs, tell us why this is the biggest game in uh, Jaguar regular season history, even more so than the game in 96 that propelled y'all into the playoffs. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity and a winning record. It's for the division title, and it's against the, your division rival that have you have history with. You know, you didn't have a, a history with the Atlanta Falcons in that game. Um, so I, I think, to me, that this is by far the biggest game. You know, you go back to the – to the tough season in 1999, and that was the the end of a lot of dreams that Jaguars fans had, and it was against the Titans franchise. Well, here you go. Here's an opportunity to get a little payback at home in prime time. Well, here's my question for you. If the Jags, and there's no way to know it, just your opinion, if the Jags don't beat the Falcons, if Morton Anderson makes the field goal, never go to the playoffs, don't have that run, does the team still have that same success 97 through 99, let's say. That's a great question. Um, I would like to think yes, just because we felt like that we were headed in the right direction. But, I mean, it could absolutely have impacted our confidence going into 97 if we didn't make the playoffs. I mean, when we made the playoffs in 96 and then we went and beat Buffalo in Buffalo, Denver in Denver, I mean, that gave us a tremendous amount of confidence that that I think uh, carried our football team to great heights. So that's a great question. I'll say this. We don't know what transpires that the Jags win this, what the springboard will be. Maybe they go one and done in the playoffs. Maybe they make a run deep into the playoffs, right? We just don't know. I'll say that winning, in my opinion, winning the Atlanta game in 96, to me, is the most impactful regular season win because of what, you know, got you ahead of schedule and did give you the opportunity to beat Denver and Buffalo. Losing this game, would be the most devastating regular season loss because of the history with the Tennessee Titans. Now, I'm not predicting that they're going to lose this football game. I think the Jags are the clearly superior team on paper, and I'm pretty sure they don't play the game on paper, right? I mean – Never do. Right, never do. So, anybody – like, if you were to read social media, Tennessee fans are all trying to pour mouth it, like, oh, we don't really care. We don't want to win. We want the worst – uh, the best draft pick anyway. They're trying to psychologically set themselves up for failure. I don't think for a second that the players are thinking that way. No. Why wouldn't you want to win the division, get a nice playoff check or two, and, I mean, it's always better. If you win, beat your division rival, you know, knock them out of the postseason, snap this losing streak. There's so many reasons, uh, obviously, why they're going to be – the players and organizations going to be highly motivated on Saturday. Well, I, I think it's uh, – you know, look, you're trying to establish a culture, a, a winning way with Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence, and this is a team that has been your nemesis. And so this is a great opportunity to kind of change the narrative. I mean, this year has been amazing as far as the number of things that have changed throughout the season, the number of things that have ended, the streaks – that you had, you know, I made a list of them, and here we go. 
Okay, you ended an 18-game losing streak at the Chargers, mm-hmm. road losing streak. You ended up uh, having two of the largest comebacks in franchise history, second largest comebacks, the 17-point deficits that you had against Dallas and the Raiders. And uh, your first win over Houston in 10 games, you ended that nine consecutive loss streak against them, the first time you beat Tennessee in Tennessee since 2013. I mean, the streaks go on and on. The, the, the Dallas game snapped a streak of how many losses against NFC, NFC teams, right? 20 I'm, or something. Yeah, it was like 20. Yeah. You know, and you've, you've won three division titles in franchise history, and the last one obviously in 17, mm-hmm. which was the only winning record that Shad Khan has had as an owner. Here's another opportunity to take a step, getting a second winning season, having a second division title under his ownership, a fourth one in franchise history against a nemesis. I mean, to me, this game is the biggest. Oh, look, I'm not – it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's one a huge amongst game. the biggest where everybody right. agrees it's, that. Right, and it's either know, the biggest or the second biggest. It's not it's, – it's right there, and the atmosphere is going to be – off the charts well, on Saturday it, night. It's the culmination of the best home regular season the team's had since at least 99. You know, like it, it hadn't been like this at home for Jacksonville in a long time where you mentioned the games that they even came back and won. I mean, Baltimore, Vegas, and the Dallas game in the same year. Tremendous games. For the home fans, are you kidding me? Right? Like, given what they've had to deal with, especially in recent history where it's, you know, hopefully we get one at home this year. You know, that's been pretty much the deal for the last couple of years, especially. Hopefully they win one well, in man. front of the home fans, and they've been given that this year. And now the opportunity to beat this team in your stadium to win a division championship, I mean, it's huge. Well, and the, the unexpected success is always better, yeah. right? I mean, because you're not expecting it. So when you have no expectations, the enjoyment of victories are even better. And going into the season, you know, look, we expected this team to get better. We were hopeful. But did we expect a last game at home against Tennessee for a win-and-in scenario? No. And that's why it's been one of the great rides here at the end of a season that's comparative to 96. I don't, has been tremendous. I don't have it in front of me at the moment. I told Tony about this. He may, I don't know if he was tagged in it initially in September. Jags fan, and, and it's still out there. It's still a live tweet. He tweeted me in September that the 8-8 eight and eight Titans, and I understand that they're 7-9, and nine, but that the 8-8 eight and eight Titans would face the 8-8 eight and eight Jaguars in week 18 for the AFC South title. Pretty close. I mean, that's pretty damn good right there, <laughs> man. So, you know what? Maybe one guy, right? but yeah, not man. many. I mean, look, and, and here's the thing. I picked them to win seven. And when they were two and six on a five-game losing streak, I thought I was an idiot, right? Like, what are, what are we doing again? You know, yeah. we're getting all no, pie-eyed I, I, optimists. I, I kind of was the same way, you know, thinking, okay, look, uh, if you get to six or seven and mm-hmm. kind of how you do it would be a good year. And did I expect this? No, but it, it helps to have a division that's kind of uh, uh, down in, in the state of disrepair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have a lot of great quarterbacks. And the great thing about this year is that you have discovered that you have one. Right. Well, the, the, in terms of putting yourself in position to win the division, yeah, the division's down this year, no question. But you're right. That, that Next year, people are going to look at this team, if, provided they win this game. Because if you lose this game to Tennessee, right, then you, know, you can make all kinds of narratives like there's still the bully on the block, blah, 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 blah. But if the Jags win this game, and with all the momentum they have going in the offseason, the postseason first, then the offseason – 
and you have Trevor Lawrence at the age he is, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jags are going to be the presumptive favorite for a while in yeah, the AFC. It's, so. uh, it's, it's going to be a little different schedule next year if you beat Tennessee, you know, and you go to the playoffs. When mm-hmm. I say different schedule, you know, the chance of getting maybe a little bit more national spotlight put upon you could could be there Monday night. Well, if you beat them, you finish in first place, you're going to play, uh, as Jeff Prosser was going through it this morning, you're going to play Kansas City next year. You're going to play San Francisco. Right, the, so you're playing first place schedule, a high right, a higher but a more visible level of competition. You know, more nationally recognized level of competition. Uh, here's one on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures Logs. Uh, has there been a change in opponents' defensive schemes as of late when it comes to Christian Kirk? He seems to have been bottled up and locked down pretty much for a few weeks now. No, and uh, I will say that there were plenty of opportunities for Christian this past game that the Jaguars weren't able to take advantage of. And part of that was quarterback. Part of that was whatever. But uh, I thought Christian was going to have a real big game, and for two reasons. Against the Texans, you had Stingley, who was hurt, their high draft pick corner, and then that forced the Texans to do some things in the secondary, which weakened their nickel spot. And even though there are a lot of zone concepts, putting that weakened nickel player against Christian Kirk or a possible linebacker created a great opportunity. And I think they went into that game expecting to take advantage of that. Of that. But I think Trevor didn't ha- quite have his best game, and for, and for whatever reason it just didn't happen. But fortunately they didn't need that big game out of Christian Kirk. But I think it was there if they really focused in on it. Uh, it's nice that the Jags – can win an occasional game handily without when they don't play their it. best game. Exactly. When they don't, right. When they, when, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is okay. I mean, he was in the bottom line. He was 17 out of 21 passing. Yeah, so which is good. He, he missed Kirk badly on one. Uh, he sailed it over his head. He threw the interception. Missed day on one. Okay. So he had a few misses, but uh, 17 out of 21 still not terrible yeah, in that game. Yeah, and the inter- interception, he had Christian Kirk on the right side matched up against a rookie linebacker in space. I mean, that's, you know, okay, at least should have gone over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't his, wasn't his best game. It wasn't a terrible game. But, you know, the, the nice thing, I think, about this offense is that they – and the dangerous offenses are the ones that can win many different ways. And Trevor loves the fact – that there are no divas on this offense and that this is a team-first mentality with all of the weapons that are on the offensive side of the ball. And that's fantastic. It allows him to distribute the ball where the ball is viewed as being open. And that's a positive thing for a young quarterback. You know, the other thing I think that was impressive with Trevor this past game is that he specifically talked about before this game about fixing the slow starts that they had had. Well, what do they do? They come out, they stop the Texans on downs, they get the ball, they take it right down, and they score. So something that he talked about prior to the game, he made come true with executing at a better level early in the game and against a team like the Texans that, hey, look, they're down on their luck. They got a couple games to play. They like to play out the, the string and, and leave it healthy. I mean, when you start fast against an opponent that's been struggling, that's a great way to start. And for Trevor and the offense and the defense to do that against the Texans on the road, I thought was big. Uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, Doug Peterson having a player two up his sleeve, much like, you know, you expect the Titans to empty the playbook out. Uh, Duval Doom calling for the annexation of Palatka, which is a play that 
we put together last off season. Can't happen anymore. Well, it can't, yeah. right? It didn't it, it had all the pieces are gone. Right. Yet well, yet Trevor on this play would, Gardner was on would roll Trevor would roll left uh-huh. and he would hand to Gardner Minshew, who was coming in playing wide receiver from the other side. And Gardner then takes the pitch and he rolls right, at which point he hands it to a tight end, left handed guy named Tim Tebow, <laughs> oh. who, who would be going back the other way. Right. Tebow stops. Jump pass uh-huh. to Trevor Lawrence in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. There's your annexation of Palatka yeah. got, right there. I got to say that I I don't know what they called that play where they got Trevor out in front blocking this uh-huh. past game, but Early I'm going to tell on, you yeah. what, hey. Shut it down. <laughs> throw that one in the trash. I don't want to see that one. That one I, when I'm sitting there watching, I'm just shaking my head going, I can't believe it. I'm sitting there looking at Tony in the booth, and I was going, are you going to comment on that, or am I going to take it? Yeah. Because we're both going the same direction. And Tony uh, ended up taking that. He said, I, look, I don't want to see my quarterback block, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But, you know, just a quick comment, you know, because we're talking about uh, – and I made the statement about, you know, you're good on offense when you can win in different ways. This offense, I thought, won with the ground game this past game and the performance of ETN. And, and you know, you go back and you look at some of those big runs. There's a couple guys that I just wanted to single out that I thought did a really good job. Chris Manhurts, I thought, did an exceptional job. And he's kind of one of those kind of unrecognizable guys because he's just a blocking tight end and he doesn't get recognized and appreciated, I think. And I wanted to point out that the long run, the 62-yarder that ETN scored on, Manhurts literally com- completely collapses the side of the Texans' defense. Mm-hmm. But then two other blocks were necessary on that. Christian Kirk ended up blocking a defensive back, and Zay Jones had to really be aggressive and attack a safety that was coming up aggressively, and he digs them out. You know, and, and this week we are doing that play in the film room with Phil Rauscher, the offensive line coach. And I asked Phil after the play when we were done taping, and I pointed – to the two wide receivers on the you know on the screen that we were drawing, which were Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, and I asked him, I said, "Hey, have you ever seen a more unselfish pair of wide receivers that block the way these two guys do?" Because when you watch them, you know, you go back the previous week, Mike, remember the and Tony the screen to Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones were out front blocking when Evan ran up the sideline, the Jet sideline, and had to be tackled by C.J. Mosley mm-hmm. at the last second. Well, that was Christian and Zay. And on that long 62-yard run, you had Christian and Zay both blocking on that long play. And if they don't get those blocks, then ETN's not sprung for 62 yards. But then, of course, the speed of ETN ended up kind of negating the angle that Petrie, the safety, had on that play. But, you know, and, and, and so Phil Rauscher's answer was no. I've never been around two guys that were like that. He said, look, I've been around one. And he, and he pointed out Thielen and about how Thielen was mm-hmm. an excellent blocker and an unselfish player. And uh, he said, but I've never been around two guys like this, which is which that's saying something. He's sure. been around a while. And I think it speaks to Doug Peterson's system because that is very similar to what they had in Philadelphia, right, where they had some good players, but nobody had to be the guy that week that got the 10 targets. It was willing to spread it out. We need to run it this week to win. Doesn't matter. Whatever we have to do to win, and that feels like the mentality of the 53-man roster here in Jacksonville right now to a T. Whatever we got to do to win this play, this moment, this week, I'm willing to do, Coach. Just and it's ask kind of me. been that way defensively, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, opportunistic defense, and uh, you know, guys are popping up, making different plays at, at key moments. And you know, there, like I said earlier, there was a stretch of about five games, you know, six games at the defense. We were like, oh my gosh, they're regressing. 
And then all of a sudden they become opportunistic, and that's been outstanding. And as long as you can continue to have that to where people are rising up and making plays for the football team to help them win, then, look, uh, momentum can carry you a long way. All right, uh, I've got a good one for the 10-10 take that we'll do on the other side. It is a check the tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman. Still time to get your questions or comments in at 641-1010 or on social media or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, and E.T. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick lube servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, crazy amount to get in the final six minutes or so here. Uh, we'll get to our 1010 take. I got a good question here online for Jeff Lagerman. But first, Tony Smith, take you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Colts interim head coach Jeff Saturday said on Monday that quarterback Nick Foles has been ruled out for their finale. Then he expressed his displeasure with Giants defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau doing snow angels on the field next to an injured Foles after the play and his further frustration that no Colts offensive lineman stepped in to put a stop to the celebration there from Thibodeau. Ian Rappaport reported on Monday that Philadelphia quarterback Jalen Hurts is expected to be able to play this week. After missing the last two games, both losses for the Eagles. The Eagles need a win or a Cowboys loss still to clinch the NFC East. They need to win against the Giants this week to clinch the one seed in the NFC playoffs. Baltimore head coach John Harbaugh was asked on Monday if he expects quarterback Lamar Jackson, who has missed the last four games, to return to practice this week for the Ravens. Harbaugh said he didn't know that he didn't have an expectation until he heard more later in the day. And the Buffalo Bills tweeted out this morning regarding Demar Hamilton or DeMar Hamlin, excuse me, an update. He suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the hospital for further testing and treatment. He is currently sedated and remains in critical condition. There's been no further updates as of this morning. Right. Well, certainly wish the best Mm -hmm. for DeMar Hamlin uh, and uh, for a full recovery. Uh, You know, his family, his friends, his teammates, uh, anyone impacted, anybody who was bothered by watching that, Spectacle last night. No I doubt. mean, we know it's a can be a part of uh, the reality of the National Football League. Fortunately, it's been an infrequent part. Uh, also, uh, we noted uh, the passing of Uche Waniri, a guy who has got a special place in a lot of Jaguars fans' hearts for the amount of interaction he kept up with the fan base after his playing career was done. So, uh, rest in peace, Uche, uh, a very good Jaguar for seven seasons, and uh, all the condolences that go out to his family and friends uh, pouring out as well. All right, uh, with that, Logs, let's uh, delve into a little 10-10 take. 10-10. 10-10 take. Now, the 10-10 take with Mike Dempsey, brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, Logs, this question that we'll do for the 10-10 take today is from Andrew. We usually send some pretty thoughtful uh, inquiries here. For the first time in a long time, he writes, games are having implications, obviously, uh, in a positive way. How does Doug Peterson keep this team focused, keep the moment from getting too big for a young team? Well, I think Doug's consistency, I think, is going to go a long way towards getting this team ready. And uh, Doug's not the type of coach that's, that's going to go, okay, well, you know what, uh, this week we got to change things up. I'm going to be different just because of this circumstance. I think consistency is always key for a coach, and that's the great thing about Doug. 
even killed and consistent, and I think this week will be no different. But he's a very aware coach as far as making players aware of situations and moments, and that's what I like about him is that he is consistent, he is aware, and uh, he's about as steady as you could ever ask for. And I think that's probably one of the big reasons why he's had such a great impact on Trevor is that he was consistent and true through the struggles that Trevor Trevor had this year. And I'm sure a lot of people at some point kind of got tired of the same old answer mm-hmm. that Doug had, especially after that London game. But that's he had to stay the same because if he changed, then all of a sudden it sends the wrong message. And, and that's the beauty of, of what Doug has done with his team is that he has been that consistent met, uh, voice. And I think it worked out, too, that they started winning just in time because even if that message is true, and you don't get the result, and you hear it over and over and over. That starts to fall. I don't know about the players. Starts certainly to uh, fans. Like you, you start to hear these guys. You know, we're really close. We think we can make a run. Well, we've heard that for years, right? Guys saying, "Oh, we're 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 close. It's us. It's all about us. It's not about what other teams are doing to us." This team, however, with the exception of the Detroit game, was pretty much in every game. The Kansas City game, even with the three turnovers, they lost by ten. But they didn't get blown off the field right. by the Chiefs. The, the Detroit game is the outlier now, and they did show week in, week out that they were going to be competitive, and they finally started you know, making fewer mistakes. Now you're at the point now where you look at a lesser team and you say this team should be able to go out there and beat a team like the Texans even with that long losing streak. They did. Should the Jaguars beat the Titans on Saturday night, in your opinion? Well, I think they're they're the better team, yes. Okay. And I think they're clearly the better team. They've been playing better, especially the number of losses the Titans have coming into this game, the number of wins the Jaguars have coming into this game, the personnel situation that the Titans are in, the personnel situation that the Jaguars are in, and they've been one of the healthier teams in the league. But, you know, the the one thing is for certain, this much like the first matchup in Tennessee, you need your quarterback to play well to have success against Tennessee. If Tennessee is allowed to keep this a low-scoring affair and a back-and-forth battle, the greater their chance is at winning this ball game. So the quarterback has to be able to be the difference maker in this game, and I expect Trevor to rise up and be, to be able to meet that challenge. All right, Logs, uh, where are we going to get you for the rest of the week? Uh, Thursday we have Jaguars Happy Hour, the Doug Peterson Show, also All Access. And I think we're looking at Josh Allen. Tyson Campbell, the play that will be in Jaguars weekend and wired will be the 62-yard touchdown run by Travis Etienne with offensive line coach Phil Rauscher. And then Saturday is going to be a fantastic day, outdoor show in the morning and game time at night. All right. Uh, Lugs, we'll talk to you Saturday. You got it. All right, buddy. Uh, good good health until then. Uh, let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Big Surce has joined us, Lil Leon. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, well, look, I know you're going to be able to talk about the Jags and everything going on with the, everything this week, and I'm sure you're going to talk about the DeMar Hamlin situation as well, but just if you could give us your reaction as a former player to what <clears throat> went down, not only that and the passing of Uche Winiri on Friday as well. Well, I, I tell you what, what happened last night was the first time that I was frightened to be a football player. And because everybody says, you know what you're signing up for, but no one says you're signing up to die. And in particular, it had to be resuscitated on the field. So 
it was frightening for me. I, I was terrified not only as a parent, because most of these kids are of age where I could be their daddy, uh, but also as a former player. And I know there's a lot of people who was talking on the radio, on the TV show, talking about, we know this is what we signed up for. No, we didn't sign up for uh, particularly dying on the football field. There's nothing poetic about that. So I was scared. I was terrified and for the first time uh, as a player watching someone literally pass away, had to be resuscitated on the football field. So it, it was it was traumatizing for me, to be quite honest with you. Well, uh, you know, sorry to hear that, you know, and I'm sure you uh, reflect the opinion of a lot of players, uh, current and former. So uh, we wish the best for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. You know, and uh, that's first and foremost and, and all that. And obviously, you know, uh, Uche Winiri, yeah. good jag for good jag. a number of years and, yeah. and very – Involved with the fan base in his post-playing days, uh, passing away way too early at the age of 38 last Friday. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's nothing cool about dying young. We want me to tell you what's cool is being about 90 years old on your back porch with your kids, your wife, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids, and you go to sleep. That Now, that's cool. That's I poetic. Hear you. That's poetic. All right. Sirs, have a good show today. I right, appreciate it. A lot to uh, dig into there. Uh, I'll pass this along, Tony, just because I got asked the question mm-hmm. on the text line. You don't have to read everything that's on the text line, Dempsey. <laughs> but I'm going to read this one just because I was asked. Like, I get it. We all beat the Titans, no excuses, win the division. We're all on board, right? The question is, is there any other way we make the playoffs if we don't beat the Titans? And, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Got a little bit more difficult with Baltimore blowing that late lead against Pittsburgh. That would have been nice. But even if the Jags lose, if on Sunday Buffalo beats New England and the Jets beat Miami and Cleveland beats Pittsburgh, the Jags would claim the last wild card spot. Now, you know, again, it would have been a lot easier with only two outcomes needed to go in your favor. Look, the one outcome that you control, take care of business and it won't matter. But since I was asked, yes, they're not mathematically eliminated uh, the Titans would be, however. So end their season, mm-hmm. win the AFC South title, start printing home playoff tickets for the next week, and let's go. Yep. Chargers or whomever, uh, come on down. We'll get the job done. All right, that's going to do it for us uh, today. Appreciate you all bearing with us today and what is uh, you know kind of a unique set of circumstances around the National Football League. Again, uh, condolences out to the – uh, Winiri family and his family, loved ones, friends, and all the best for DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills as well. For Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, and Emmanuel Thalloran, I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to this Check the Tape Tuesday. Coming up next, XL Primetime on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yo, Jacksonville.